developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you. You define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Well, hi, everyone. This is Dr. Lynn, and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today, visiting with us is Augie Karamidis. I met Augie a while ago when I was taking a podcast uh, class, and he was one of our featured speakers. His kindness and way of being in the class just truly touched my heart, and I thought at that moment, I'm going to invite him onto my podcast, and that was months before I'd even started my podcast. Augie is truly an amazing person, as you'll quickly see his power, passion, success, creativity, and influencing abilities. Today, we're going to talk about personal development. But first, here's a little bit about Augie's very adventurous and impressive life. Augie grew up in Greece, and when he was 35, he moved to the UK, following a calling he felt since a teenager. A dentist by profession, he's a critical thinker with a master's degree, yet at the same time deeply spiritual. After serving dentistry for over 20 years, his identity that he embodies now is that of a podcaster and a knowledge broker, which we'll find out what that is in just a minute. He's passionate about personal development, and he's a lifelong student himself. He's the host of Personal Development Mastery Podcast, and his mission is to influence and inspire people to stand out and take action towards the next level of their lives. His podcast, and I encourage you all to listen to this, his podcast ranks in the global top 2%, and he's interviewed almost 200 people. Some of them, you'll really recognize their names, such as Brian Tracy and Mark Victor Hansen. His latest business venture is helping coaches to reach a global audience by launching and scaling their own top quality podcast, even if they're not tech savvy, which we understand that part, of it, and are limited on time. So welcome, Augie. <laughs> Lynn, thank you very much for this uh, wonderful and uh, kind introduction. It's uh, a real pleasure to be here, and I'm looking forward to this uh, conversation with you. Well, thank you. So let's just jump right in. And, you know, here you had this stable life as a dentist, and I'm sure doing well, and you had a master's degree in in dental work and all. What was one or two of those critical life experiences that moved you out of that secure field into where you're now at Personal Development Mastery Podcast? That's, uh, I'm glad uh, you're starting with a great question. And uh, there was, it was not moments as such that made me 
realize uh, that the the journey I was on or where I was in my life at that time it was not to be. It was more a, an underlying continuous sense of um, discontent, of something is not right. That you know, I, I I did not have the shall we say emotional state that you would expect a person of my uh, that is living my life would have. I know that sounds a little bit uh, silly now, the way I say it, but at that time, I, I felt like uh, there is something wrong with me because uh, I have such a wonderful life, but still I'm not feeling, you know, satisfied, fulfilled. Uh, that was, you know, it was ongoing, and that triggered me to, to take the steps towards uh, personal development and discovering who I was, because I wanted to figure out what's happening. Uh, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yes, and, you know, share with our audience, uh, you know, what was going on in your teenage years that um, before you went to dental school, was, was that mm. your passion to really to go into dentistry, or what was really underlying that you really saw as your passion and maybe didn't follow it at that time? Yes, it it was not my passion at all. It was <laughs> my when I was my teenager, my my two passions. One was I had like a thing for uh, going to drama school and becoming an actor. Uh, but that you know that was more maybe a fantasy because I didn't have anything practical in my life to back it up. But on the other hand, I was very. Uh, let's say, uh, keen with computers. I was clearly passionate with that. So that was like a, a practical direction that I could have followed happily. Uh, however, because my mom was a dentist, and uh, at that time, you know, in Greece, in the 80s, it was uh, a culture of if your parents are doing well, it makes sense to you know, follow the profession. So at that time, when I was, you know, 17 and needing to make the decision of what to do with my life, I hardly had any maturity, uh, which is hardly a surprise, really, at 17, to really uh, say, wait a minute, dentistry is not my passion, it's not uh, it's just something that you do. So <laughs> I was, in a way, influenced to study dentistry. It was not my passion, and it never became my passion. I just became good at it because I, I had done it for 20 years, and I you know, I enjoyed um, helping people or seeing the appreciation because of uh, the work that I, I did with oral health. Uh, but, you know, it was never this sign of deep fulfillment, you know, that enthusiasm when you wake up and you can't wait to, to do what it is that you do. That never happened to me, you know, wait, uh, saying I can't wait to go to the, the dental practice this morning. So uh, I think that that for me is a clear sign of where the passion lies in one, whether they do something really... Um, for emotional reasons, or they do it for um, because they have to, or because they used to, or because uh, the past led them there. And I will, I will take a break here because I'm going to a completely different direction. I think. Sure, you know your story resonates so much because I know so many people who have been very successful at their careers of lawyers and doctors and 
And when they hit, then it's all a different age. But so often I've seen many of these professionals who've been quite successful change and, and get out of the field that they studied and were successful in because there has been this calling. And often it's in the arts or spiritual or athletics. I, I, I know some lawyers that have become massage therapists. And it's just interesting to watch transition um, and how people might um, change over time. You know, how how do you recommend for somebody to take that leap of faith and trust your intuition, whatever age that happens to you? That's a big step. It is a big step, and uh, for many people, it's very difficult to have a huge leap of faith. I mean, unless the, the life circumstances bring one to the, the verge of needing to take a leap of faith. But if you are, let's say, in a state that you are kind of thinking about it, you're not sure. The thing with uh, intuition, Lynn, is that you usually you have to build up to it. So what I'm trying to say is that if you are used to trusting your intuition in small things, then when the time comes to take that huge leap of faith, it doesn't really feel like a huge leap of faith because you have the, the trust and the knowledge in yourself and based on your experience in the past that chances are that you know things will go right, it will go well because they have and you. So when you do have some, um, let's say, feedback from previous times that uh, you followed your intuition, it's, it's much easier. So I think what I would say to answer directly your question is uh, if someone thinks about that, uh, that trusting the intuition, it, it to um, start with something small, uh, practice it, uh, it, it's really something that I feel it gets uh, better. I have by no means mastered it, but, uh, you know, and there's pivotal moments in my life where, uh, for example, I left Greece and came to the UK, or uh, when I realized that uh, dentistry after 20 years and uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, euros that I had spent in education would, <laughs> would not... Uh, uh, you know, anyway, I'm I'm changing the subject uh, too much uh, right now, Lynn, but I think intuition, to come back to that, is something that um, you can cultivate. That, that's what I'm, uh, I'm trying to say. So it gets easier. Yes, and, uh, you know, it's certainly great um, coaching to talk about looking at the little steps. I know personally for me, it took a major, I call it, two by four over the head for me to really start mm -hmm. trusting my intuition. I mean, I had to have a very significant medical um, breakdown 20 years ago where I was really became non-functional after surgery and getting allergic to foods. And it was at that time of my life of recreating my life that um, it's almost, I, I still always had a choice, but it almost felt like I had an, I did not have a choice anymore. I had to make a change. I had to transform what I'd been doing in my life and live a life being more healthy. And that's when I really started looking at more spiritual and, and um, other ways of living my life. And so I had always questioned my own intuition and then realized it was there. I just wasn't listening to it. And it's that wake up call of, 
hello, would listen to what your gut's telling you. I just wanted to add to what you were just saying uh, about <clears throat> there is that phrase that life speaks to us in whispers initially, and that applies also to the intuition, what you were just saying. Uh, the, the whisper many times is uh, imperceptible, and uh, many of us choose to ignore it because the voice of uh, the mind is much louder. But the more we ignore that whisper from life, it gets louder and louder. And eventually, if nothing else works to catch our attention, something major happens that, <laughs> you know, the, it's not a whisper anymore, it's a scream. You cannot ignore it anymore. And it's usually either a an accident or a, a sickness that happens, something major. Uh, I just wanted to add uh, that, Lynn, sorry for uh, interrupting you there. I thought it, it came back to my mind very vividly, and uh, I believe in that very much. Yes, I do too. I call it the two by four effect of hitting yourself over the head with a two by four, of, if that's what it takes. And truly part of my mission is to try to help people uh, be aware see, listen, because there's so many messages within us, around us, if we'd only be aware and allow us, our, our own self, to be aware of that. You know, what are some of the barriers, Aggie, that get in the way uh, that really shake people's faith and trust? Uh, fear. In a word, <laughs> I would say the fears. Uh, of course, fear can uh, present itself in many different ways, and uh, it's uh, the more one realizes, it is it is intriguing that uh, things like procrastination, for example, or perfectionism, that uh, many of us, uh, let's say, disguise ourselves under, or our, la or our lack of action, maybe. Uh, these are I think different expressions of some kind of uh, of fear underlying. So, and the fear, then you know very well that it comes from really the <laughs> the wrong place. Most of the times, anyway, don't mean about uh, the fear of life or death. Uh, most of the times, our emotional fears, the ones that we have, uh, are very much the wrong. Uh, guidance in, mm -hmm. in our decisions. Mm -hmm. uh, so fear is what stands in the way. The, the problem is how, or the question is how to understand that and uh, isolate that and put that aside in favor of, of trust, of, of faith, of belief in you know the the opposite of uh, of the fear, if you wish. It is not the opposite of the fear. I'm just using it now as a you know as a, as an example. Well, you know, I was going to ask you. I think many of us reckon not all of us recognize the fear. We get so succumbed by it and be within the fear. The first step is to recognize the fear, but then the next step is, and what do you do about it? How do you get out of that? And I think that's where some of your personal development work really comes into play as to how do we deal with that feel? What what methodology can you use to help yourself? Yes, exactly. And uh, I'll come back to what I said earlier about uh, uh, perfectionism, which I think is a great example 
of how fear can disguise itself into something else, because for many people, perfectionism is a good thing, or at least something that, you know, it's not bad to have. However, it is very bad because it prevents you from doing stuff. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's more important many times to do stuff than uh, uh, make a perfect image of themselves. So uh, I remember with me when I was doing my personal development, and that's really extremely important. And thank you for bringing it up, this uh, you know, personal development tools as a way of recognizing this uh, fear. and working uh, with it. So uh, I remember the first time when I realized that my uh, so-called perfectionism was working on a project at that time and I was delaying it and delaying it and going back and, you know, polishing some things that uh, uh, rather than really going forward and uh, publishing it and, uh, you know, learning from the experience. And I realized that it was not perfectionism because that's the excuse or the reason I gave to to myself that, you know, I still need to polish this and and that. But it was a fear that I really uh, didn't want to expose myself or my product. It was a course, actually, an online course. I didn't want to expose my course and therefore myself to the judgment of... uh, of the customers or the people or what if it's not very good and what if this, what if that. So this, all these fears had uh, disguised themselves very well into uh, perfectionism. So I was not ready yet to release it. It took many, many months of me going back and forth uh, before I did it. So I think that's a, a nice, I'm sharing that because I think it's a nice example and it happened to me personally when uh, I realized that it was not something good. It was a disguised fear. And there are many more, I think, uh, similar. Once one uh, once one starts to uh, observe, you know, observe what's happening and what are their thoughts, what are their emotions. Uh, yeah. Well, Agi, you really you hit on um, a very personal note with the perfectionism um, my my story about my health problems. I'll back up just a little bit because when I when I first wrote my book, uh, my first book, see it, say it, do it. The fear of releasing that uh, overcame me almost. I sent it to only a few friends that I trusted to make sure that I was on track, that I wasn't wrong, that I would. You know, it was all about being found out. Who am I? And do I have the courage to show people who I really am? And when you write a book or you do a podcast, you do a course, you are putting yourself out there and really exposing yourself. And um, that fear was almost paralyzing. And and that's truly what I believe. When I got ill 20 years ago, I was having dreams. I was um, having a successful practice. I had a family, kids, I spoke. And I had dreams of I was in a train ready to crash and I didn't know how to get off. And I kept having this recurrent dream. I never wanted anybody to know about it because it looked like being vulnerable looked weak. And I truly believe that was my wake up call. You know, that that universe took me down with a health 
health issue that I had to just stop and relook at things. Now, that's my own belief. Uh, that's the lesson I took out of it. But um, I think fear of what is the big question. And so often it comes down really just being who who am I and and can I be myself out there? I love your line that you say, stand out, don't fit in. Um, because that's that's really what what it's about. I love that line. Stand out, but don't fit in. Yes, I've been using that for my podcast for for years now. It's just, it comes very naturally based on also on my own uh, journey because uh, fitting in was all I wanted to do or all I was taught to do. And standing out was uh, when I grew up. Standing out was something that. It depends whether it's good or bad. You you have you have to be careful when you stand out. Don't stand out too much. Something like that, anyway. So uh, it really expresses now very much uh, in a different way. Standing out for me means really being authentic, authentic, being yourself. By being mm-hmm. yourself, automatic automatically you stand out because there is no one else uh, like you. So I don't mean it in any derogative way, stand out above others or anything like that. I mean it really be yourself, be authentic, uh, be genuine to what feels uh, true inside of you. Uh, Well, it's so interesting on that because, you know, I'm very close with my kids and grandkids and watching them go through middle school and elementary school and the big thing there is not to stand out, to look the same, to get the same clothes. We all know that. We've experienced that. And and then becoming adults. And and that's what makes us unique is when we stand out. It's just such a huge transition that, um, you know, I so wish that there were these kinds of programs more available for our, our young kids so that at an early age uh, they could see that. It's really okay to stand out and be who they are and be authentic. Um, I believe that's the source of bullying and a lot of other distress that we have, you know, in our society now. But we'll get back to this in just a minute, Aggie. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to get back uh, and really talk about your podcast show and um, more of the personal development courses in just a minute. So stay tuned. Dr. Lynn will be right back after this. Can your child see, really see, more than 2020? Does your child struggle in school, have trouble with tracking when reading, or resist writing? Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's award-winning book, See It, Say It, Do It, provides parents and teachers with specific tools and strategies in visualization and processing. Improve and empower your child's learning and performance in school, sports, and play. Get See It, Say It, Do It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com.
developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Vision Beyond Sight will help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Join Dr. Lynn each week for a new exciting episode, Vision Beyond Sight. Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's book, 50 Tips to Improve Your Sports Performance, has identified the top 50 ways for you to achieve excellent results in any sport activity, enhance eye-mind-body coordination skills, achieve the mental edge, prevent injuries. This book belongs in every athlete's or coach's sports bag. Get 50 Tips to Improve Your Sports Performance on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Here's Dr. Lynn. Hi, welcome back. We're with Augie Karamidas, who is talking to us about personal development and his huge transformation from being uh, a dentist, a very uh, great dentist, and now he's creating podcasts and coaching and really talking about some very, very interesting life skills transformations. And so we were just talking about young kids standing out and not fitting in. And uh, my wish is that so many schools would include personal development programs um, at an early age because I truly believe so much of the anger, bullying, and um, unrest going on when we really boil it down to individuals, it's so many people who don't feel good about themselves. They're trying to make um, people see them. They're not being seen. They're not being heard. And I so respect the kind of work that you're doing, uh, Augie. What I'd like to, to move uh, forward on now is looking at the connection of spirituality and some of the science and research that's gone on. You know, for the longest time, when I started my my teaching on the area of visualization, that was like 30, 40 years ago, I had mm-hmm. school systems kicking me out. They didn't want to hear what I had to say about visualization because they said that's mind control and they don't believe in that. Yet if I used a different term like, is it okay if I help your child create pictures in their mind of fun and relaxation, then it was, oh, well, yeah, that's fine. So some of our conflict, I think, between spirituality and science just is in our language and, again, our belief system of unknowing. So so share a little bit about, you know, this spirituality world and some of the science that's coming in to uh, really help support what what we've created and what we seem to intuitively find. Mm-hmm. 
There are uh, <clears throat> two things that came to mind when you were uh, phrasing your question, and one was certainly that the, the words, the language that we use, uh, can have a tremendous uh, impact on how someone perceives a concept. I mean, even concepts that uh, you and me, or and hopefully the listener, would consider completely mainstream and normal, like meditation. For some people, if you if you use the word meditation, they look at you like you're doing something, you know, that is weird. Or uh, thank goodness now the people that are unaware of all these things are much less than they were. When you were saying the, that 40 years ago, when visualization was uh, a forbid, a taboo word <laughs> to use, right. and you needed to to rephrase it. Uh, for me personally, I was very blessed in my life and very lucky because when I was in the university studying dentistry in Greece, uh, my best friend, and he was studying also dentistry like me, after a few years of studying, he felt a very strong calling inside him, a spiritual calling, and eventually he left everything, uh, the dental school, his family, Greece, and he went to a journey around the world, really. He trained in uh, shamanism, he became a, a healer, a shaman, and I was very blessed because during that time when he was transforming into a very different and spiritual person, we were still you know, like best friends. So when he would come back from his travels, I would see his transformation. So he shaped very much uh, the way I perceive, you know, the life or the world. And now I'm, I'm starting to get a bit general because it's difficult to, to be more specific. But let's say that I had this kind of spiritual influence in my life when I was 20 20, 21 years old, and that guided me, you know, into some spiritual books or things like that. So I was, I have been aware, if you want to use that word, or uh, on a journey or on a, a seek, a quest, I prefer that word, a, a spiritual quest since that time when I discovered it. Uh, so uh -huh. uh, that, of course... <laughs> Of course, uh, compared to when you gave the introduction of me in the beginning, that you said that uh, with a master's degree and a critical thinker, yes, there is that element uh, in me as well, which is very strong. And it's a very interesting combination sometimes uh, with, <laughs> with my decision-making. It's uh, all over the place. I have two very dominant uh, sides, and I trust both of them. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Do you find sometimes an internal, like an internal argument of science knowing um, critical thinking and your intuition? Because sometimes there seem to be not inconsistency, but a struggle as to you making your choice with all of your your powers and your strength. Uh, for me, and if I understand your question correctly. Uh, all any doubts that I might have had about the, let's say, the spirit, the specific evidence of what we call spirituality, it was when I read uh, Dr. Bruce, Bruce Lipton's uh, 
book, The Biology of Belief, I found all the scientific evidence that I needed to believe really that uh, things are not not really how we have learned since uh, we grew up. There is a completely different uh, way. And he talks, of course, in terms of uh, self-healing and how our beliefs uh, influence that. But the same principles apply to our whole life, really, in everything that that we do. So that that book, uh, for me, it's uh, for someone who's looking for scientific uh, backup for spirituality or for uh, self-healing or these areas, that is an excellent, an excellent book. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my favorite books. Mm. Yeah, and a lot of the new, newer research on neuroplasticity and it's getting exciting seeing, you know, what's happening in the world of science. Um, I know, again, from my own personal vision therapy as an optometrist we've been doing treatments that have been effective for 40 years and now through some of this new science and really based on some of the um, kinds of research that bruce lipton did and and neuroplasticity neuroplasticity research uh it's explaining why we've been getting the kinds of transformations in the visual system um when we knew it worked but we didn't always know why it worked kind of thing um, okay, we only have about uh, five, six minutes left, and I want to switch gears for just a, a few minutes. Sure. I know uh, podcasting is a big part of your life, and uh, you have your own show and coaching. Um, tell our listeners about the benefits of having a podcast show. The, the first thing that comes to mind is the ability for self-expression. And that I mean only in the way of you know speaking literally our voice, which which is of course podcasting is about that, and we're doing it right now. But I'm also mean in terms of self-expression, in the terms of creativity, as to what it is that you were going to to talk about. So it has uh, made a massive difference in my life with how I was, like say four years ago before I started the podcast, and how my uh, communication skills, my confidence in holding the communication uh, to a you know a, high, a certain level of quality, if I can if I can use that word. Uh, these are you know some of the, the things that come to mind uh, about benefits. One other superb thing is learning. I. Mm-hmm. I and have the ability to learn firsthand uh, from the expert knowledge of, of my guests. And because I get to choose the questions <laughs> as a host, I actually get to learn things that uh, benefit me very much. And as a, an extension of that, of course, benefit the, the listeners that will listen to that. Because I think that because of my interest, I went deep enough to, to dig and find something useful that they, the listeners can uh, implement. And I will share one more, Lynn, because there probably I could be speaking one hour for the benefits I've gained by personal sure. podcasting. <laughs> but uh, one of them for sure is the conversations that I had with extraordinary people around the world that 
have benefited uh, me, hopefully them, and, and these are people, you know, that you normally have uh, conversations like that. In, we're saying that the, the personal development cycle, the proximity is power, and that is the, the proximity is the, the people that you surround yourself with. When you have the ability to surround yourself with people uh, like, you know, the people that I have spoken to with the podcast, it is incredible how much you uh, can gain and uh, be inspired, be lifted. And that's uh, incredibly important. I don't think I would ever be able to to have these conversations otherwise. So... uh, Well, can I say one last very quickly? It is (laughs) the the ability to make a difference with with the message and for the the listener to be inspired to take some action in their life. Yeah. Well, Augie, I I truly want to thank you both personally um, for the, the courage and your teachings on the importance of podcasting. It's not just getting on a speaker, but it's standing out and learning to listen and learning to be with people. And like you said, having conversations, you may never ever have a chance with people that you may have never met before. And truly, I thank you for um, the presence you bring, the being you are and your influence and insights on for me. You know, in our last minute or so, I wanna make sure our listeners know how they may reach you. So if you wanna share any contact information, we have about a minute for that, please. Yes, sure. Thank you. Uh, the central place is my website, which is agikeramidas.com. And you can also find me on uh, Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, uh, agikeramidas. Uh, there is no other agikeramidas, so <laughs> I have a very unique name, so you'll find me easily. And please feel free to send me a message uh, uh, and tell me that you found me through Lynn's podcast. I will be very happy to speak with you. Thank you, Augie, and all that information is in our show notes, and I want to thank everybody for being with us today, and remember, your vision doesn't define you, you define your vision. Expand your vision and see with clarity, courage, and confidence, and thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye now. Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.